podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, people working to understand viruses and how they affect you. We are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackray, and I am hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On July 13, 2022, we talked with Dr. Vichy Reddy, a senior postdoctoral fellow at the Purbright Institute in the United Kingdom. He received his bachelor's degree in veterinary medicine from Bangalore Veterinary College, then his master's of veterinary science from India Veterinary Research Institute in India. He obtained his PhD from Ghent University, Belgium. His research focuses on how subclinical immunosuppressive viruses make poultry susceptible to secondary infection. Thanks for talking with us today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Hi. Hi, Larissa. Thank you so much for inviting me for this talk to the scientist for virology. So I'm Vishy Reddy, a senior postdoc in the Peabright Institute in the United Kingdom. But before year, like in the United Kingdom, I'm from India, particularly in southern part of India, where I have bachelor's in the veterinary medicine and master's in biochemistry. Then I pursued PhD in the virology in the Ghent University, Belgium, where I have mainly focused on avian viruses, specifically avian herpes virus, infectious laryngotracheitis virus, and avian coronavirus, infectious bronchitis virus, mainly pathogenesis aspects I worked during my PhD. And then after PhD, I started my first postdoc in the Peabright Institute, that is where I'm currently. So it's somewhere in Saint- End of 2016, I started my first postdoc in the group of avian oncogenic viruses group. Mainly on the avian herpes virus, it's an oncogenic herpes virus, mainly famously known as a Marax disease virus or MDV. It's a oncogenic herpes virus and it's a huge problem in the poultry industry. And I worked with another virus on the same area like herpes virus of turkeys. It's like a non-pathogenic herpes virus, but it's quite commonly used as a vaccine vector. And also it's a, it gives natural protection for the MDV. That means if you inoculate HVT, it gets protection against MDV for that. So after this, I started to work as a senior postdoc in the Birna viruses group. This group was set up by Andrew Broadbent in the Peabright Institute sometime like five years back and then recently he's moved to the University of Maryland. But I'm still working on this Birna virus that is uh, infectious Bursal disease virus. It's an uh, immunosuppressive viral infection in chickens. And it's also called as Gumbaro disease. That's the place where in USA in Delaware where first outbreak happened and they call it as a Gumbaro disease. So this is short, I would say, of my background. Okay, um, and can you tell us how you first became interested in science and then virology way back when? So sure, yeah. I, I think I can't really clearly say that when I started like interested in virology, but I would say I, I come with the background in the farming or agriculture family. They do a lot of agriculture farmings with livestock. so. And since during like high school days, I was quite interested or vaguely clear that I will pursue something with agriculture sector. But during high school days, I was always interested in the science subjects and 
also I enjoyed a lot of science studies during my high school days and that led me to get into the studies in veterinary medicine. And during my veterinary medicine, especially during fourth or final year studies, I, I was quite uh, inclined towards the pursuing in academic research rather than clinical practice, especially in the infectious diseases area. Because in clinical practice, we used to get animals presented with like several infectious complications, which used to be related mostly to the viral infections as a primary source. And those days, and it's still there is a vaccine failure was quite common with these infectious problems. And during those days, I understood that it's like, I'm talking about 2006 or 2007. That time, there was a limited knowledge about the diagnostics, especially by applying molecular biology tools and understanding the pathogenesis mechanisms of secondary infections or the root cause primary subclinical infections and vaccine types of patterns. All these things like were quite fascinating to understand, but limited knowledge in that area. And also I would say that those days there were several infectious outbreaks or endemic diseases used to be common in the livestock. Like if you take in the cattle industry, foot and mouth disease virus was an endemic problem, but still it's endemic with sporadic outbreaks. If you look in the sheep industry, it is like a blue tongue virus is a common problem. In poultry, especially, it's always co-infections of herpes viruses, coronaviruses, and viruses. All the complications together, they end up with infectious problem, and it's quite difficult to separate the infectious problems. So I would say during those days, I realized that I should do something in the virology area. Cool. And I guess, um, how did you get to your PhD? It's slightly like... Uh, I was quite interested in veterinary medicine to pursue in the academic studies, like in the master's uh, PhD in virology. But to get into the master's in India is slightly different than Western countries, like I would say in Europe or USA. Like in India, you have to go through certain competitive exams, like national level or state level, they conduct to screen you, I mean, the person. So I appeared in the national level entrance exam and I got into the premier Indian Veterinary Research Institute. It is like a veterinary research top institute in India. So I got into the biochemistry department mainly and I got some idea about molecular biology tools like understood about working with cloning, uh, Western blotting and PCR and it's like a one-year research program with thesis defense. So with this background, I was looking for the international opportunities in the veterinary virology area specifically. And India is like during those days and still it sponsors like international fellowships to send people from India to pursue PhD in abroad. So with this background, like I was looking for the scientists in veterinary virology area and I come through the literature, the Hans Nowinki was like a, he's still a veterinary virologist, world-known famous in animal pathogenesis. So along with this collaboration, we together wrote a project that was like understanding the mucosal invasion mechanisms of avian herpes virus, that is infectious laryngotracheitis virus and avian coronavirus, that is infectious bronchitis virus. So you set up a mucosal organ cultures of trachea or conjunctiva to understand the invasion, how it happens at entry points. And then you use the in vivo chickens 
how dissemination of these viruses happens in the chicken. So this is like an um, ex vivo organ cultures compared with in vivo to understand the pathogenesis. So this is how I just get into PSG and pursued PSG there. And then how did you get to the perbrite? How did that happen? So getting my PSD, like when I was working, like I, I used to think like, how we, although I worked like basic virology, like ex vivo organ cultures and pathogenesis aspects and chickens, but like, but like I was interested to pursue it also molecular biology tools, like at that time, catching up with infectious clones and how the pathogenicity determinants do play a role in the pathogenesis. So PSD is like a limitation, like you have five years or four years and you can't pursue longer there. So I was just looking with the opportunities. The people work with molecular virology areas, especially with poultry viruses. So the Pibrite Institute, like it's it's well known in the avian virology research. And the, the group at that time, like still there is a group that avian oncogenic viruses group, they were setting up the use of CRISPR-Cas9 technology to adopt to edit the herpes virus of, of avians like Marek's disease virus, it's an oncogenic herpes virus and other herpes virus like herpes virus of turkeys. So they were applying CRISPR-Cas9 technology and I was quite interested with that. And so they had a job opportunity and I got through the interview and I got into the Pibrite Institute and I did my first postdoc on the that area. Okay, cool. and. Um, I guess, uh, can you talk a little bit about, I, like you were referring to virus infections in poultry? Yeah, I think this viral infections in poultry industry, this is there for ages. Like since the, I think the virology field initiated since then, there, it's a huge problem. So if you look the herpes viruses, for instance, uh, the virus I talked like infectious laryngotracoitis virus, and it's a huge problem to the respiratory mucosa. And once it disseminates into the respiratory mucosa, it reaches the latency stages in trigeminal ganglion. And it's like a lifelong latency in the chickens. And if you look this avian coronavirus, infectious bronchitis virus, this is there for ages, like since long, long back, like I guess 1950s more than that. It was started like a respiratory mucosa problems, first outbreaks, but later these outbreaks happened and those viruses, they start disseminate to different organs and it was like a pathogenic viruses they call like nephropathogenic virus where the virus goes, disseminates to kidneys and just end up the problem with kidneys. And some they disseminate to oviduct and the, it end up with like false laying syndromes and problems with the reproduction and lay, egg laying. And usually it's like not a single infection. Like sometimes we have like infectious basal disease virus. It's like a immunosuppressive virus infection. And if you look mostly in tropical countries, it's always like a subclinical infection going on in the behind, but you usually people diagnose the, sec the other one, like a respiratory problem with infectious bronchitis virus, but the background is something with other viruses like infectious basal disease virus, or Marek's disease virus also, it's like an uh, immunosuppressive virus infection. And it's always co-infections quite common in the poultry, I would say. Okay. Um, and then uh, what's the next step in your career? What are you hoping to do after your senior postdoc uh, job is over? 
So yeah, I'm just uh, looking for the independent research opportunities in the academic institutes. Like, uh, yeah, I'm interested to pursue in the how the subclinical immunosuppressive viral infections predispose to secondary infectious problems. Especially these days, like avian influenza is a huge problem in the poultry sector. Like, it's like uh, I'm always looking like just not the influenza, just look the flock behind that. There, is, there are a lot of problems going on in the immunosuppressive infections in the flock. So that is one area that I'm looking to pursue as an independent scientist, but we never know, like I, I just keep options open to all the jobs, like maybe industry as well. So. Okay. And can you talk a little bit in general, when you say um, immunosuppressive viruses, what, what, what uh, exactly are they doing to the immune system? So I specifically focus like now the currently I'm working on like a Bidna virus. This is like an infectious basal disease virus, they say. So it's this is this basal disease, like in chickens, we have like an organ called Bursa Fabricius. This is called like a primary immune organs, like equivalent to the mammals in bone marrow. So in mammals we have bone marrow, but in chickens it's Bursa Fabricius. It's it's a primary source of B cells. And this infectious basal disease virus shows predisposition to this Bursa fibricious and it causes cytolysis or cytolytic infections in the Bursa fibricious. And that means it destroys most of the B cells when the infection, it happens quite early age, like within one week of the chicks. If chickens are not vaccinated or if they don't have proper maternal antibodies, they just destroy with primary B cells or Bursa. And they end up with immunocompromised. That means like they can't have the proper immune response against other infectious problems followed with that. Like it, it, there is no humoral immunity. I would say like it will be suboptimal humoral immunity and suboptimal uh, cell-mediated immunity because most of the B cells are destroyed or gone. And in that way, vaccine failures are quite common. That means like you can't, even if, even though they have been vaccinated against different infectious problems, there is no seroconversion or there is no antibody productions because suboptimal production of B cells. And that's how it's like an immunosuppression name has given to that uh, IBDV. We have another virus like chicken infectious anemia virus. That's like anemia virus, that means it shows tropism to T lymphocytes like thymus and also blood cells like uh, its stem cells in the like in the bone marrow stage. It completely destroys the blood cells at the stage of bone marrow and stem cells and T lymphocytes completely. That means it's the chicken will end up with anemic stage. That's no cell mediated immunity, completely zero immunity, cell mediated immunity, but buts of fibricious will be there, it will cope up like after several weeks, like let's say when it's, once the chickens reach adult stage, then the, the cell-mediated immunity develops to certain level. So that means like if chickens have this both infectious basal disease virus, chicken infectious anemia virus, that means both cell-mediated immunity and humoral immunity has gone down. And it's quite immunocompromised chicken that has exposed to all sorts of infections. Right, right. Okay, cool. Interesting. Um, and then I guess, um, 
when you're talking about vaccination in chickens, um, are there sort of new generation vaccines that people are developing in chickens too? Yeah. So, yeah, I think the the concept of since vaccination started, I think the most of I would say the the vaccinations in the poultry is one of the top like the people they they're quite forward in the vaccine direction I would say because like when you look the coronavirus infections in the field the conditions it's there for 50 since for the more than 50 years like an endemic problem and it's top one problem in the poultry industry and always the reason vaccinations like the live attenuated vaccines they know that they have to give to the chickens uh, but here, like in the poultry industry, they have to keep in mind that it's not just protection, also the production of the flocks are more important. Like if it is has a respiratory problem, and though you have good general, immuno, general immunity, but if chicken exposed to the respiratory mucosa infections, the production obviously goes down. And the point of vaccination is not much meaning there. So in that sense, like there are like different combinations of vaccination are present in the poultry industry. Like I'm just mentioned back, like there is a HVT vaccine, like it's called as herpes virus of turkeys. So this is a normal herpes virus in the turkeys, but it doesn't cause any infections in chickens and turkeys, but it's a naturally, it gives protection against oncogenic herpes virus in chickens, that is Marax disease virus. If you give HVT vaccine, it gives protection against MDV. And this has been exploited in the poultry industry, like commercial poultry sector, like this is used as a vector vaccine. That means like they can insert different foreign antigens into this, like they use the paramyxo virus, like a Newcastle disease virus antigen, like a protein of Newcastle disease virus. This is NDV, this is another, another paramyxo virus, like it's a huge problem. And also they insert like a VP2 protein of infectious personal disease virus into these vector vaccines. Like it can be bivalent vaccine or trivalent vaccines. Currently in the market, both of these vaccines. And another interesting factor with this HVT vector vaccine is like they vaccinate in the embryonated egg stage. That means like they call it as an in vivo vaccination that is in the embryonated stage. Like chicken's embryonated stage is like one to 21 days and they get vaccinated, they give vaccine at between at the late stage. That means between 17 and 19 days, they vaccinate. And once the chicks hatches, they get protection against, if you give trivalent, it get protection against three diseases. But like after like, if it is like a layer chickens, it has to go for like several, I mean, long period. And only early disease, early period only, you get protection with these vector vaccines. But then you have to give the combination of other vaccines like attenuated vaccines after a certain period, like two months, once this, uh, this immune system before going down. So that's, I would say like there is a combination of vector vaccines, attenuated vaccines, and also for certain infections, inactivated vaccines, it's always combinations. It will give full protection. Okay, great. Um, and I guess, are you speaking about some of your work um, at ASV this year? Yeah. So I'm talking this uh, this ASV meeting about uh, infectious basal disease virus, about this Birna virus. So uh, it's a non-enveloped, like a bisegmented virus. It has just two segments and it's like a double-stranded RNA virus. 
and segment A, which encodes like uh, two overlapping ORFs and ORF A1, which has like a non-structural protein VP5, and other ORF A2, which encodes like a polyprotein, which which encoded three proteins, like, but it has a protease VP4, which separates or yields the VP2 and VP3 proteins. That means VP2, VP3, and VP4 comes from segment A. And segment B is just a polymerase enzyme involved in the virus replication. So my focus is more towards the VP2 capsid protein. It's like a, because it is more immunodominant protein of this IBDV Abirna virus. And it is, this is the target of neutralizing antibodies. Interesting thing is the, this within this VP2 protein, there are certain hypervariable regions. Those regions, they are subjected to intense immune selection and antigenic drifts. So based on these hypervariable regions, at present, the, there are like eight genogroups of IBDV has been classified in different parts of the world. Like they have been named like A1 to A8. That is like different geographic regions has different IBDV strains with, but this is classified based on these hypervariable regions. But there is a limited information that how the genotype sequences has related relation with the antigenic diversity, especially uh, in the field conditions. This information is quite lacking. Also, the current like IBDV vaccines in the field, it's always based on the only one genotype, that is A1 genotype. And we are interested to look at how the breadth of these neutralizing antibodies that elicited by these commercial vaccines give broad spectrum against different genotypes. And if you look at different genogroups or different geographical regions. So to pursue this, like we have also certain limitations in the this IBDB virus because field IBDB strains, you can't isolate in the lab conditions. If you isolate, it has to adopt into the uh, adherent cell lines. That means it has to go mutations at key amino acids that changes the antigenicity and virulence. So we need to have the system that has no, it, it should not change the any VP2 region or hypervariable region so that you can represent the field IBDV strains. So with these things, like we didn't have like, uh, proper cell line to do that because it adopts to the cell line and change the HVR regions. And we recently, we come, come across like with other groups that primary B cells are one cells you can use for the, to study the field IBDV strains replication kinetics. And further, we have used it like the, there is a B cell line that is like a, a B cell, Bursal cell line, cells transformed into a cell line that is DT40 cells, one cell line we have. So I have exploited that cell line to study the replication kinetics of field IBDV strains. And another limitation is we don't have access to the different IBDV strains from different parts of the world. And you have to rescue in the field condition, I mean, in the lab conditions, these field viruses. And another limitation is we don't have a full genome sequences of these field strains. Mm -hmm. I have to rely on only this hypervariable region of VP2 to rescue because that's what it, the classification presently has. So what I did was like, I just cloned the hypervariable VP2 region into the backbone of the lab adapted IBDV strain. 
and I rescued like a different six genome groups in the lab conditions with a hypervariable region VP2 in the lab adopted strain background. So these six strains have been rescued and I trying to evaluate the neutralizing antibodies from the vaccine A1 strains broad spectrum, how they broadly they neutralize this six rescued IBDB strains. So this is what I'm going to talk in the this ASV22 conference. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. And we look forward to hearing about your research at ASV. Thank you so much. This has been Let's Meet the Virologist, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackeray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers, or at lmtv.podbean.com. Thank you.